It is December 7th, 2022, but let's go back. Let's go back in time and remember what happened on December 7th in 1941, the attack on Pearl Harbor. The next day, President Roosevelt spoke to a joint session of Congress and told the country, as well as the Congress, what happened. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Yes. Yes, it was a horrific day. It was a a horrible attack on our country, even though Hawaii was not part of the United States of America at the time. The monument at Pearl Harbor is still there, and I've not been to Hawaii. It's one of those places I, I would like to visit and stop and say a prayer and remember what happened and remember those who lost their lives and then escalated into our declaration of war on Japan. We had not been at war with Japan before Pearl Harbor. In fact, we were seeking a peaceful relationship when Japan attacked our naval base. Apparently, it had been in the works for some time, had been planned for some time. I know it forever changed America. My dad was inspired to then join the military. I also remember all the stories that my father told us about how the city of Chicago changed, how people of Japanese ancestry all over this country were suddenly suspects, and you can understand why. We didn't fully understand the attack as well. There was a company in Chicago that made potato chips. Mrs. Japs had nothing to do with the Japanese people, nothing to do at all. But Mrs. Japs' potato chips was suddenly subject to the ire and anger of the general populace because people assumed that Mrs. Japs was part of the Japanese invasion, if you will. The company had all of its products taken off store shelves. They eventually changed their name to Jay's Potato Chips and came back and still exists today. Jay's Potato Chips was part of my childhood. Uh, Amazing. Amazing how war affects all of us and how we need to make sure we have the full story before we fully react. And that will also tie into some of the stories for today as well. I'm sure you understand where I'm going with this. We're going to get into the, um, the story of Elon Musk and what started last Friday and has continued Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and now into Wednesday, the story of the release of what's known as the Twitter Files. The Twitter files, Elon Musk is dedicated to transparency and showing everybody what was going on. So he has started releasing the Twitter files, doing it through journalists, using Matt Taibbi and uh, Barry Weiss. They're not exactly what you would call conservatives. But he's been releasing the materials and through the release and what Taibbi has found combing through the internal documents of Twitter is rather astounding. 
We learned how the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, the Biden campaign and other Democrat campaigns reached out to Twitter to silence conservatives. James Woods was basically squeezed and pushed off of Twitter because the DNC and the Biden campaign didn't want him there. And James Woods is probably going to end up suing them. Now, will he be successful? We don't know. It's very difficult for a famous person to to win a case of defamation. But I think he may have some pretty strong standing. Elon Musk then took to a, uh, a really unusual situation while flying somewhere. We don't know where he was going. He was on his private jet. He connected to the Starlink satellite system that he also put up into space and then attended an online forum on Twitter where he took questions from people. And uh, just think about that. Here's the richest man in the world in his own private jet somewhere over the country using a satellite system that he uh, created and, and launched into space. And he's connecting to the social media platform that he is now the owner of. And he's taking questions from journalists and other influencers on social media about what's going on with Twitter. And I I have to tell you, the two hours was absolutely astounding to me. I listened to all of it. And I also gained a new respect for Elon Musk because he was talking about things like what he wanted Twitter to become. What is the goal of Twitter? His answers are pretty clear. And I think he's got a good grasp of what he wants to do and a good grasp of reality. The, the overarching goal here is that um, on balance, that that Twitter be a force for good for the future of civilization um, that and, and for the, the, the expansion of, of consciousness. So he wants Twitter to be a force for good. And as he said, for the expansion of consciousness. He talked about why he bought Twitter because some of the people online in, uh, on this forum, we're asking him that question. It's a fascinating answer. It's got two parts to it. It really had been building for, for some time. So I wouldn't say there was like, it wasn't like a step change suddenly. This is, this is a one thing. It's not like, oh, the Babylon Bee got banned. That's why I bought Twitter. That would be crazy. Um, it's more that yeah. uh, the, the, there just seemed to be like this more and more group think amongst the media. Um, more and more uh, sort of towing the line amongst digital social media companies. And basically just we're traveling the path more and more of, of suppression of free speech. It is about free speech and Elon Musk gets it. It's always been about free speech for me. Talked about how this group think was out there. I thought that was fascinating. He continued talking about why he bought Twitter, and it got into a really wonky, nerdy, high-techy area. Like I said, it wasn't any one thing. It was just, it was just like, okay, I think, I, and I could, I can't exactly say why because it's like one of those things where it's like, my, it's just said that my biological neural net, uh, neural nets, said it is important to buy Twitter, um, and if you, you know, just like with a digital neural net, you can't really exactly explain why the neural net is able to uh, understand an image or text or but 
just say that the, that the, the collective result of the neural net says that this is an important action, uh, or, the, or this is the right action, and my biological neural net concluded that it was important to buy Twitter, and that if Twitter was not if bought and steered in a good direction, that it would be a danger for the future of civilization, and so that's why I, that's why I bought it. So he was driven by this biological neuromed, which I've never heard of, and I don't even know how to fully explain it to you. But the intentions appear to be good. His intentions appear to be pure. And and he also wants to make sure he can expose those who were bad actors. I've been on the job a, a month. Um, I'm very good at software. I wrote software for 20 years. Um, and uh, at, I was very good back in the day at... at Feeding the, the scammers, um, and uh, they—I mean, they were just like it, they were just had, had the, the the bad actors had free reign in the system before. Um, they will not have that in the future. Um, I look forward to that battle, um, and it, we will expose those who are acting uh, to manipulate public opinion and uh, shine a bright light on it. I like that. We will get rid of those who are working to manipulate public opinion. And there certainly has been a lot of it now that we know we learned through the uh, deposition that Dr. Fauci had to give recently that Fauci's daughter worked at Twitter until last year. She had worked there for a while. And that Fauci himself was involved in discussing censorship of bad information that he thought was bad information or misleading information with Mark Zuckerberg, and maybe he had discussions with Twitter, but he admitted talking to Zuckerberg about it. That makes Fauci a bad actor in my book. Musk says he's dedicated to getting rid of those damn bots, too. The last thing I do, I will defeat the damn bots and trolls. I hope so. Bots and trolls. Goodbye. And then there's the question of something called the trusted partnership. Twitter, this all sounds so Orwellian, doesn't it? The Twitter Trusted Partnership, which apparently was a portal that allowed Twitter's friends, influential friends, government, big businesses, to be able to connect instantly to Twitter and tell them what they didn't like and maybe lobby to have things removed. The Trusted Partnerships. They really are dangerous, and it does give me a chill when I hear it. Think about the red phone that was put in after the Cuban Missile Crisis, the red phone between the White House and the Kremlin in order to prevent a nuclear attack accidentally. Well, could that be corrupted, that connection, that direct connection? Maybe. And in the case of Twitter, the trusted partnerships were something that Musk was just learning about, but he has a great interest in them. I got to dig into this uh, trusted partnership thing. Um, you know, obviously that has like some Big Brother vibes. Um, so, uh, you know, Twitter, Twitter will adhere to the law, um, but but it will not do. You know, it's not going to go to go beyond the law. Uh, and and if there are laws that that seem that don't seem to be the interest of, of the people, then Twitter will push to change the laws to be in the interest of the people. See, it's all about the people. I believe him. I don't think he's blowing smoke. I think he truly wants to have 
a public space where the people, all the people, can communicate and express ideas on a level playing field. Fascinating to me. And maybe to you, I don't know. Uh, the, um, the balance of power in Washington, D.C. is interesting to Elon Musk as well. He gets it. He understands what the founders set up and that important check and balance that needs to exist across the branches of government. I just to say this on Twitter publicly. It is good that that we, we actually, that, that the House will be Republican. You know, it's, it's like, it's not, it's generally not a good idea if in the U.S., if the, if the House, Senate, and executive branch are all of one party, then, then you have sort of situation. So it's good to have uh, at least one of those branches be um, the other party, because um, then they will then then they will check the worst excesses of both parties. That's exactly what the founders wanted. He continues on this vein. Like you want to have the government pass laws that are in the best interest of the people, not that that are inter- that are in the interest of a small segment of the people. Um, and uh, you know, so that's why I think if like if you have. Uh, mixture of parties in control then 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 they will pass only things that sort of are the intersection of sets of what both parties agree on which is more likely to be in the interest of the people that's true and that is why the house in control of the gop and the senate still unfortunately in control of the democrats is actually a good thing it may force them to work together we hope we hope we hope but getting back to the twitter files Musk said something about the, the uh, information that's being released that alerted me, too. He used the word Stasi, which I think was the East German secret police who were working against the people on behalf of a dictatorship out of a total, totalitarian government. I mean, I think this is, you know, this is like whatever Stasi files or um, you know, Truth and Reconciliation like Nelson Mandela would say, you know, it's it's if you want reconciliation, there must be truth. So um, that's that's the intent here. Intent here is to just make it, make it clear what was happening, and provide transparency about the past, and in doing so, to build trust about the future. Yeah, I think that's a, a huge deal. I think the mainstream media could take a lesson from Elon Musk when it comes to trying to rebuild trust kind of an important thing and may explain why so many of the large mainstream media networks, MSNBC, CNN, are hemorrhaging viewers because people don't trust them. They were in bed with the Democrats and the administration. Very interesting. Very interesting two hours. Um, Musk also brought up or was asked about Neuralink, which is his company that is trying to help create computer connections between humans and computers that will help people who are, say, blind or have lost use of their legs or their arms, maybe regain the leg and the arm movement or sight. Who knows? And yes, he's under fire for this because there is some animal experimentation you have to test your stuff you're not going to test on humans and uh the left of course wants to say he's he's a horrific man there are also reports saying they tried to build 
a primate Disneyland to make these animals very happy and to make their lives good while they were undergoing these experiments. It's never easy to do this, but Musk talking about the Neuralink was very interesting to me. For the next few years, Neuralink is really just focused on restoring movement to people that have a broken neck or spine and restoring vision. So it's restoring movement and vision. It's not um, you know, uploading memories or controlling thoughts or anything like that. It's pretty basic stuff. Pretty basic stuff, but can you imagine if you did not have the use of your legs or your arms and suddenly you were able to be rewired, your brain was able to be rewired to make that happen? That's a lot more than basic. If you were blind and could suddenly see, that's certainly a lot more than basic stuff. It was a fascinating two hours. If you have the time, you should go back and listen to it all. Uh, there's also a, a big push now. Since Elon Musk has told the remaining Twitter employees, I expect you to give basically 110%, stay at the office as long as you can. And so many people have left, they changed some of the space at the main headquarters in San Francisco and turned the empty offices into bedrooms, sleeping spaces. And of course, San Francisco doesn't like it and they're coming in. The building inspectors are coming in. How dare you put mattresses down for workers who want to stay at the office longer? They're afraid of him, obviously. The last question of this uh, two-hour adventure, though, had a very interesting, very, very interesting insight into Elon Musk's thinking and the people around him, the people who respect him, they're thinking, too. What message do you have for all the haters and losers out there who are, you know, making fun of you or attacking Twitter, said it was going to die like four weeks ago? What's your message? <laughs> Twitter is alive, baby. It's alive. Oh, yeah. More nice. alive than it's ever been. More alive than it's ever been. But he, he was also asked, though, about uh, possible government intervention into Twitter. This is the clip I was looking for. Not, there's probably at least a few nefarious things that are in the works right now. Um, probably, I, I say it would be uh, naive to assume that there are no nefarious things. Um, and so I guess if they, if, but I, I, I will just expose them on Twitter and see what happens. Well, the most important thing, you don't have any suicidal thoughts, do you, Elon? <laughs> <laughs> I do not have any suicidal thoughts. I, uh, I, I, if I committed suicide, it's not real. <laughs> That's a little scary that we actually have to go there, isn't it? But uh, he's, um, he's upped his security by his own admission. He added more security because of his ownership of Twitter has completely changed the way the left thinks of him. But no matter what they do, all the attention has given us a revitalized interest in Twitter. Twitter is alive, baby. It's alive. Oh, yeah. and Twitter is alive, baby. Yeah, the, um, the interesting take on this is how the left side of the mainstream media is attempting to twist what the Twitter files are all about. To take the Twitter files, which is showing the obvious connection, the collusion, if you will, between the mainstream media the Democrat National Committee, the Biden campaign, several other Democrat campaigns, and social media to squelch any investigation into the alleged crimes detailed in the Hunter Biden laptop, 
they're trying to diminish that and say, oh, this is about Hunter Biden's drug addiction and Hunter Biden's penis and his uh, his canoodling with hookers. No, we don't care about Hunter Biden's junk. We don't care about his drug abuse. Let him solve that problem. We do care about selling access to the White House, selling access to the vice president, who's now the president, and vacuuming up all that cash from from China and Russia and, and Ukraine and God knows what other places. We know there were meetings with Mexican companies. That's important. And the fact that an election, the 2020 election, and probably the 2022 midterms were affected by it is really important. So I hope Elon Musk continues on this path, even though we are seeing places like CNN deflecting, not just the White House press office, you knew they were going to do that, calling this old news, but CNN and um, their reporters deflecting on what the Twitter files are all about. Well, they were released to a writer who then had a long tweet thread about them. So they weren't released to the public so everyone could see exactly what this was. But this, these are documents related to the internal discussions at Twitter in 2020 around a laptop that was found at a uh, laptop repair, repair shop. shop that contained all kinds of really outrageous stuff from the president, now president's son. Well, Christine Romans over at CNN, the laptop has been confirmed. The information on the laptop is currently under investigation in several places. It's not Russian collusion. This was the president's son colluding with the Russians and the Ukrainians and the Chinese. And as I said, God knows who else. To try and diminish that and say this is about bad behavior is is truly going to get a rating from Mr. Trump along these lines. You are fake news. Absolutely. So go ahead and keep diminishing it, White House press office. Go ahead and keep trying to throw water on this mainstream media. This is a real story. And then we learned over the weekend, because the Twitter files were supposed to continue coming out Sunday and Monday, we learned Tuesday that a former... FBI attorney, a huge guy inside the FBI, friends with Peter Strzok and his paramour. This guy, James Brady, had left the FBI and gotten hired as uh, chief legal counsel at Twitter that he was filtering the documents. Barry Weiss discovered that. James Baker, once it was discovered, was fired, exited from the building. According to Elon Musk, his explanation was unsatisfactory. So did he intercept and delete things? Will, be, will we be able to find out? I hope so. I think that's kind of important, don't you? The Twitter files are probably being released as, as we continue today. There's probably more coming out every minute, and I'm sure you're following it or not. If not, I will keep an eye on it. There are other important things going on in our government. Of course, the, um, the final midterm Senate race was decided overnight. We knew that it was going to go to the Democrats. It's 51-49 in the Senate now, which makes it harder to slow down some of the things Schumer and the Democrats are going to want to push through. That doesn't make me happy at all. 
And uh, we're hearing there is a uh, bipartisan, I'm making air quotes with my fingers, deal around immigration that will will validate two million dreamers. How about we close the border first? Can we get that done? Can we please get that done? I don't know. Joe Biden was near the border uh, yesterday when he stopped to uh, do a PR move, an optics move to... um, talk about another chip plant and i'm sure we're giving great tax incentives to these people and make the chips here and we should be making the chips here we should be able to give china the finger and uh the uh the president was asked by peter Ducey why he hasn't visited the southern border after all you know you're going to be in the neighborhood and not visit the border because the more important thing going on, they're going to invest billions of dollars in a new enterprise. So uh, Joe Biden says there's more important things going on. They're going to invest billions of dollars in a new enterprise. What about the 300 Americans who are dying every day because the border's wide open? What about the sex trafficking? What about that? I hope this is in the minds of the people. I hope people are calling their congressmen and women and complaining about this. Uh, There was news yesterday, tough news for Donald Trump. A jury in New York found the Trump organization guilty of tax fraud. There there was no filing against Donald Trump. It was his company, and there'll probably be a fine, a $1.6 million fine, which is nothing in the case, basically nothing. So I don't see what the big deal is, but they're still coming after Trump. Trust me, they're not going to stop. And I'm still waiting to see the leak from the Democrat committee that has Donald Trump's taxes. Yeah, you know that's coming. Uh, Keep an eye on the economy. The stock market's had a rough couple of days uh, because inflation is still looming out there. And we're hearing that there are layoffs happening everywhere. The uh, lefty website BuzzFeed is firing a huge chunk of its employees. Morgan Stanley made cuts globally. And Walmart is saying that the shoplifting is so bad that they're going to have to raise prices on products and possibly close some stores. Think about that. That's insane. Walmart having to close stores because shoplifting is just out of control. Well, there are no penalties. The most infuriating story of the day for me, though, was The report out of Loudoun County, Virginia, where a grand jury has told the story of the young girl who was raped by a transgender student. In other words, a boy pretending to be a girl was allowed to go into the girls' bathrooms at the school wearing a skirt. Some reports call it a kilt. It apparently is a skirt. And this this trans person raped a fellow student. It was covered up. The trans student was transferred to another school where it happened again. The rape of the first student was completely downplayed. And the grand jury has shown that the school board, the principal, all the people involved in in what you would expect to be roles protecting children basically did nothing but they demonized the father who was upset that his daughter was raped at school by someone pretending to be a different gender than their biological gender. There better be lawsuits in this one. I can't even get started on this because I'll lose my mind on this. We're going to get Lauren Fix, the car coach, in here probably tomorrow or the next day. I have to ask her about this. 
Uh, a driver got a ticket for $533 for driving with snow on his windshield. Now, while I'm against government overreach, I think it's a good idea to encourage people to clean the snow off their windshields before they go out driving in the snow for the rest of us, for the safety of the rest of us. And how hard is it to clean your windshield? You can get an ice scraper for a couple of bucks. And maybe you buy a little uh, melting window cleaner. Don't use the ones from the summer. We'll talk to Lauren about that. We'll get her in here. And uh, we're also going to get Jim Stovall in here. Our buddy Jim Stovall, the guy who gives us all the inspiration with the weekly Winner's Wisdom column. Jim has a new book out that he sent me the other day, and I read it overnight. It's so good. Words That Shaped Our World. We'll talk to him about that. Short break. And let's get Jim Stovall in here with a little winner's wisdom on the Pure Opelka podcast. Jim Stovall is joining us, and I am very happy. Jim Stovall has chosen once again to check in, and we're going to talk about his winner's wisdom column. If you don't know Jim, he's more than a columnist. Uh, He's also an author of many, many, many books, dozens of books, and he's got films to his credit. Despite being a blind guy, this guy makes movies, which is also kind of amazing. And he has a technology that allows people who can't see to appreciate movies and TV called the Narrative Television Network. Um, Jim, before we get into this week's column, I have to say thank you. I got your new book. I got Words That Shaped Our World yesterday. Well, I'm glad you got it. I'll thank someone. I didn't... I didn't even know they went out, so I am uh, I am glad you got it, and it's a fun project, and it it'll be on shelves here shortly, and uh, and obviously you slipped onto a uh, onto an A list somewhere. Well, I don't know how that happened. Uh, it's you'll correct that after yeah, our yeah, conversation. Yeah, we'll get somebody on that immediately. But this is a a wonderful collection, and and I hope people will seek it out. It is a um, a, a project between Jim. And your editor, Kathy Johnson, who you speak glowing of, uh, glowingly of in the foreword, and I have to tell you, it reads so quickly. It's, it's 50 great short stories from great people with brilliant quotes. Who doesn't want that? Yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I've written over 50 books, and I, you know, I, I have probably twice that many on my list to do in the future, and I write the kind of books, I guess, at this point in my life that I would read. And, uh, you know, I love this kind of book. You know, who said that? Why did they say that? What was going on in the world when they made this quote? And more importantly, what does it mean to us today? I mean, does it, if it doesn't mean anything to us today, who cares? So, uh, you know, I, I'm way beyond, uh, you know, historical facts that have no context in the 21st century. Uh, you know, that's just memorizing stuff. Uh, uh, but I, I do think there are, uh, yeah, the, the fun book and, uh, and it's, uh, the initial response has been good enough. There we're already working on a second one. So I'm excited about it. Well, that's, that is terrific. Again, I'll tell people you can pre-order it. Words that shaped our world. Jim Stovall and Kathy Johnson put this together. It's a, it's a great stocking stuffer. Even if you have people who don't read cause they can pick it up, read a couple of chapters while they're stuck at the airport or waiting on their car or in the waiting room at the doctor's. This is a good idea. Uh, Jim, let's get to another good idea. This week's Winner's Wisdom column. 
which is available to everybody at jimstovall.com. They should go get it. And uh, it's about failing and failing better. This is something I'm interested in doing, Jim, because failure's no stranger to me. Well, you know, first and foremost, people look at failure as the opposite of success. And we need to always, always keep in mind failure is a part of success. And, you know, failure plus persistence equals success. And uh, Samuel Beckett, a Nobel Prize winner for literature, and as a writer, I kind of follow those guys that kind of get that. I'm I'm still waiting on mine any day now. But uh, Samuel Beckett said, you know, try again, fail again, fail better. And that is, you know, a powerful thing. You know, I'm always reminded of Edison and when in trying to uh, uh, develop the light bulb, they identified a thousand filaments that failed. And when one of his lab assistants said, we have now failed a thousand times, and, you know, his famous quote, of course, we've successfully discovered a thousand things that don't work. And that's, uh, obviously, failure is a process of elimination. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who gave us Sherlock Holmes, gave Holmes the words, uh, you know, when everything else has been eliminated, all other possibilities are eliminated, that which remains, no matter how absurd, must be true. And, you know, sometimes success is like that. I mean, once you've tried everything else, uh, there's nothing else to do but succeed. And failure is part of that process. Failure is not final. Failure is fertilizer that that takes us to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, you you hit on the right thing and you succeed. I I love the um, line. It's near the very end of the column. Failure is fertilizer. Failure is the only fertilizer to grow your future success. And if people don't understand failure, to me, that means they're not learning from it. Because every failure in our lives has a lesson. Every failure in our lives is is one little domino you can knock over and then get moving towards the good stuff. Or at least it propels you towards the good stuff. I love the simplicity and the power of this column, Jim, and uh, it, it goes hand in hand with what we talked about with the new book, Words That Shaped Our World. So I want everybody, you got to go to the Internet. I'm, I'm not going to sound like the guy from, uh, uh, was it, uh, Network. Go to the window and <laughs> sign up now. No, go to the window on your computer. Go to jimstovel.com and go to, go to that Winner's Wisdom free email click, and you'll get Jim's column there uh, each and every week and then hang out with me and we'll talk to Jim about lessons you can learn and ways you can make yourself better and more successful. This week, failure drives you there. It's uh, the fertilizer for future success. I love that one, Jim. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. 